I'm Weebeeb. You are listening to the beautiful sounds of praise and worship on Praise Until Dawn here on the Praise Broadcasting Network. As usual, I want to point you to our podcast of A Time Apart and Praise Until Dawn up at our website at pbnradio.com. That's PBN, Praise Broadcasting Network, pbnradio.com. And at the top of the page there, click on Podcast. You'll find both broadcasts up there. A Time Apart will have ATA colon in front of it want to welcome our Roku listeners. If you have Roku, great way to listen to Praise Until Dawn and Praise Broadcasting Network. Just search for, if, if you don't already know, just search for PBN or Praise Broadcasting Network. And I also want to say hello to all of our iWatch listeners, tablet, iPod, iPad listeners, Samsung, iPhone, and other phone listeners, and of course our laptop and desktop listeners, and our iHeartRadio listeners. And I'm, I'm sure I've left somebody out, but whatever platform you're using to listen, welcome. Those listening by Alexa, ask her to play PBN Classic on TuneIn. I actually use Alexa to monitor pbnradio.com. Great way to listen. Good sound on it. I also want to remind you about our pbnradio.com Facebook page as well as my personal site. Go to our pbnradio.com homepage at pbnradio.com and click on the little blue and white Facebook logo at the top. It has a a small letter F, which is white, with a a circle of blue behind it. That's Facebook. That will take you to our pbnradio.com Facebook page. For my personal page, while you're at the pbnradio.com Facebook page, go up to the search bar and at the top enter Pat Rutherford 1232. Pat Rutherford 1232.
I was trying to get all the computers going here and them being so old reminded me of uh, what it was like when Claudia and I were first starting our own um, our own network and this was back in 19 well we started in 1996 we had uh, before then we had praise broadcasting network but it was syndicated programming uh you cut the program you send it out to the stations the stations play it um but that was after going i mean we go way back uh, 19 oh what is 1986 or 80, 87, 1987, I think it is, that, that we actually started. I started in radio in 1973, but uh, 1987, I think it was, we actually started syndicating out to other stations with our own programming, Praise Broadcasting Network. Praise Until Dawn, I think it was uh, Music of Faith before that. And anyways, when we started on our own, well, we, <laughs> I'm remembering things as, as uh, I, I say it here. Um, when, when we started on, let's, let's just say it, when we started on the internet, uh, that was about 1997. That was brand new. The internet was brand spanking new uh, for... Um, it was new for uh, audio. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of several different things at, at one time. Uh, brand new for audio. It had only been up the audio on the internet. Probably only, a, if it was a year, it was a year, year and a half, something like that. And we, we were, I guess, one of the originals. And um, I remember the equipment that we had. We were, we, we had new equipment. It was new. 
But back then, uh, we had like a 133 megahertz machine. Now you have many times more than that. It's, uh, what, four and five gig or even more machine. It's incredible what, what the processors do these days. But back then it was only 133 megabytes. And if, if, if you know computers, you know that ain't much for audio, especially for audio. We were asking the machines to do things, or we were demanding of the machines to do things that they weren't built to do. Not yet. And we would, oh, oh, Sandy would come over and we would fight the machines and the machines would fight us. and They would just uh, go off in the middle of a, a broadcast and we'd have to restart the machines. And, oh, it was a, it was a nightmare during those, those early years. Wow. To have the programming feed the on-air machine and the on-air machine was processing this whole time and uh, as well as the automation machine. Oh, wow. And then we fought electrical outages. Uh, we were in Arlington, Texas, and it just seemed to us if there was going to be an outage, electrical outage, anywhere in town, it was going to be seven houses on the south, kind of the southwest of Arlington. That was our little neighborhood that we had there, and it was. You let a, uh, even in nothing, I mean, the day was bright, the sunny, you know, pow, our little section would go down. Um, and we'd have to wait for the trucks to get out there. And we had a, um, it, it was so bad, we had a generator out there that we would have to start up. And many times it was during a storm, um, late at night. And we had built a, a studio. This is before they were fashionable. Uh, we had built a studio in our garage, we had, we, Dad and Patrick helped me build a wall in the garage. And back when Dad, before his stroke, you know, we, Patrick and Dad and I would get together and just mention the wall and we'd know exactly what we were talking about. Hey, how about the wall? Oh, man. man. Uh, we actually put that wall up ourselves. We never went to the city for uh, reconstruction on the inside, anything, zoning, anything like that. We just did it. 
And we were there for seven, eight, nine, we, we were at that studio 1997, February of 1997 is when we went on the air. And we came to North Carolina in 2005. So that was eight years, eight years, eight years and about three months, four months. Um, oh, I remember. Mm, 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 mm. It was always, we had to have somebody close by that had a key to our house. Oh, I, I finished the story. We converted half the garage, uh, sheetrocked it, and um, tried to insulate it because it got hot in Texas. Oh, it got hot in Texas. But even the insulation wasn't enough. But we had made half the garage our studio. And we did a pretty good job, actually. Um, but it was, oh, during the summer days, trying to cool down the machines, and it, it was, it was, it was, it was bad. We had a big fan, uh, we had to open the doorway between the garage and the house to let some of the air from the house, the air conditioning from the house, blow into the studio, and... A big fan there blowing the air from the house into the studio and, and it still was so hot. I would be in there in short pants, um, sometimes without a shirt. It it was it was so hot in there and we're trying to keep the machines going and and I would be on on the air um, cutting the the broadcast. And um, was it live then? I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I guess we were at, at a point live. Uh, at the very first, we, we cut programs onto videotape, which was about, we got eight hour videotape and it was, oh man. And then we didn't have the automation system at that time, so we'd have to be there within about before four hours were up if we traveled anywhere we would have to be there if if we had a meeting over in dallas uh which was a good 45 minutes away we would have to leave early to come to the studio to replace the machines the the we we cut two VHS tapes at once and then uh, we'd have the the backup programming when that first one was done we'd have to eject that one and put in the other one and uh, it wasn't very accurate for the clock uh, it would be sometimes a minute or two off from the, the top of the hour and oh, it was it was just but we had a grand time here we are 25 years, 25, 97, yeah, 25 years. Wow. 
We've been here in North Carolina. Mm, a little over three times longer than, than we were at the studio in, in Texas. Uh, I've got some of that written down, but I've, I've just got to write it out all down for, you know, the kids, the grandbabies, the great-grandbabies, the great-great-grandbabies, the great-great-great-grandbabies, on down the line, if we're here that long. I mean, if Jesus doesn't come back sooner. Ah, we were on the way back. We had the auto. We we had had the automation machine. Um, the automation programming. <sighs> and Mike had built that for us. Actually, went went. Act, he wasn't a computer programmer. He's a satellite engineer, but he liked to. Anything he can get his hands on. He was our engineer that got us up and and going. And still is our engineer when I can get him in town. Um, the, uh, the programming was going. And when Claudia and I had to go out of town, we had to have somebody close by in case... Well, I'm not even going to say in case. When the computers would go down um, to be there to restart them. And um, we would need to go out and visit Claudia's mother. She was in a um, retirement center in Southern California. And we'd drive out there, didn't have the money to fly. We, we drove out there and drove back. And I remember one night we were monitoring PBN and it was the coolest thing to be in the deserts, uh, 10 o'clock at night in the deserts of New Mexico, Highway 40 coming back. And in that long hill that you go descend down, you're in a very high desert, and you descend down into Albuquerque. And I was monitoring the, the, the station, you know, it's internet, so you can, when, where you can pick up the internet, you can, you can get the feed. And it went down. And I called Don and Lisa, and uh, I forget how it actually went down. Maybe it was they who called me. I, I don't remember. But uh, we were outside Albuquerque, and they actually, they, they lived up in Argyle, which was north of us in Arlington. It was about an hour away, and it was like 2.30 in the morning, and they got in their car and went down to... Uh, to our studio they had a key went in and worked with the machines to put them back on the air oh man that's dedication they were um, they were uh, well that was dedication that was dedication to, to what they're doing. They, they weren't paid. They were volunteers. 
And to get that kind of level of friendship and belief in what we're doing and, um, oh, I've, I've got stories that, oh. So when I have problems like you're hearing in the background now a little bit, these older machines kind of being cranky and don't want to give the straight sound the way, the way it's supposed to be. It just makes me remember back when not only would the machines not give us a straight sound, it, it, <laughs> they'd go off. It would just stop. And, uh, mm. God has been faithful. God has been faithful. It's his programming. He, he, oh, I could go on and on and on and on and on about, we, we never asked for this. We, uh, it, it wasn't in our thoughts. It, it, um, I mean, it was a wild dream but never, ever did we push to do it. I, I had actually walked away from the Praise Broadcasting Network and the programming. Um, I just didn't know where God wanted me. This is him. This is him. When you get a phone call out of the blue saying, Pat, I've been working for the last seven years to get you back on the air. Would you be interested? If I could get you up on satellite, if I could get you uh, on the internet, would you be interested in doing it? A call right out of the clear blue sky. This is God's broadcast. It's not mine. It's God's network. It's not mine. And that's been my policy since that unless I know positively that it's God who wants us to do something, I don't do it. And that looks like to a lot of people that I'm dragging my feet, I'm not out there promoting it and, and all. I, you know, I'll once in a while tell people to please go tell their churches, um, tell their friends, tell their families, tell, tell them about us. That's one way of witnessing. Let us witness for you. But um, as far as getting out there and promoting the broadcast, I, we don't have the money to promote the broadcast. But God just told us, I'll bring the people to you. I'll bring the people to you. You don't worry. This, you just do what I've told you to do. Yes, sir. More than, you know, I was listening to some music last night. And... Um, it was a, a, a secular artist, Laura Fabian. And it just really hit me. She sings in French. She sings in English. Uh, she sings in Italian. Um, Je suis malade which means I'm very sick. And she sang another song that I was listening to, Caruso. And as I watched her, and, and I've talked to you about Laura before, but it's been a long time. It had been a long time since I had 
heard anything from her, music-wise. And as I listened, I was drawn in. There, there are some, when you hear a song, if it's, if it's good, if the, if the artist is good, you will be drawn into, oh, isn't that beautiful, the way they sing that. Oh, that, that's just, the voice is just incredible. It, it's just beautiful song. And then there are people like Laura that not only do, are, are you mesmerized, if that is a good word to use, by her voice and it's it's an instrument i mean it's just an incredible instrument that they have developed not only do you hear the beauty of the melody you hear her heart as if that song was hers and it was a story of her And I've, I've heard critics, say good critics, say I, that, that has to be, uh, it, it just enraptures you and captures you. And they say, I, that, that's got to be her own story. It's, you're, you're fixated that much, drawn in by her acting out the song. That's what I want PBN, Praise Broadcasting Network, and Praise Until Dawn to be for you. But it's beyond the acting part. I will not act for you. It's either real or I don't do it. What I say is either real or I don't, I don't say it. So the only one that can accomplish that is Helper, Holy Spirit. That can not only capture you with the beauty of the music, but you are, maybe it's not the most beautiful voice you've ever heard, but you're captured by that's got to be their experience that they have to have written that and you hear it in their voice and your heart is just brought up to God that's what I want for my life your life is changed by that music whether fast whether slow whether medium your heart is changed by that music and only helper can do that that is what I have asked helper to do if this is his broadcast if he's the one that I don't know why chose me long ago then he's got to make it happen I don't want it to be halfway either I am in or I'm not in at all and I hope you hear the story 
and your heart has changed while you listen.
The sail. I don't even know sailing terminology, but like hoisting the mast, setting the sails, all the work that goes into the details of what you do. But then there's the wind, the unpredictable, beautiful, powerful wind that takes a sailboat and moves it. And I just feel like that's what the Lord is doing all over the room. 
with all of your diligence and all of your hard work, there's just a moment to like, let the sails go and just let his wind take you. You've been there before, you've been to undiscovered lands, but I feel like he's taking you into new territory, deep into his heart. So I just want to sing that over us. If that's you, just put your hands up, your sails up. We're going to catch the
like there's a pioneering spirit on all of you and I just I feel that I feel that you know there's so much work that goes into like hoisting this sail I don't even know sailing terminology but like hoisting the mast setting the sails all the work that goes into the details of what you do but then there's the wind the unpredictable beautiful powerful wind that takes a sailboat and moves it and I just feel like that's what the Lord is doing all over the room with all of your diligence and all of your hard work there's just a moment to like let the sails go and just let his wind take you you've been there before you've been to undiscovered lands but I feel like he's taking you into new territory deep into his heart so I just want to sing that over us if that's you just put your hands up your sails up we're gonna catch the wind
You know, I think about my young life growing up. The one thing that always sticks out to me is how desperately I wanted to have the love of my father. Growing up, I was always angry, and anger for me always turned into violence, and violence always, it always ended up with me getting into trouble. I started getting involved in real low-level sale of marijuana. Low-level sale of marijuana turned into pounds of marijuana, and pounds of marijuana turned into cocaine. Started dating a former girlfriend, and the next thing I know, we're pregnant with a son, and I'm just a teenager with really no prospect of anything positive in life. Colleges wasn't an option, and all of a sudden, my dreams went from playing sports to being a kingpin, a drug entrepreneur. Something that I thought was for losers, I now somehow morally justified because I didn't use drugs. I can remember going into Harlem, New York, and being the only person on the block that looked like me, and going into elevators with men with Uzi machine guns and shotguns. And I can remember the adrenaline rush that I got. There wasn't a fear, it was a a sort of a rite of passage that I was experiencing by going into these tough and possibly harmful environments. And I can remember going to the back room and seeing a man sit at the table where I would drop a bag full of money. And I would walk away with a bag full of cocaine. I would start taking that cocaine and I would begin chopping it up. I would saran wrap it around my legs, all the way up to my torso. Put on a double-breasted suit with a silk tie. Put on a pair of Italian loafers. Grab a briefcase. And I'd walk straight through the airport metal detection, daring somebody to stop me. Because I was angry. What's amazing about the world of illegal narcotics and drug entrepreneurship is that I didn't trust anybody. Yeah, I can remember chasing my best friend down the street with a baseball bat and trying to break his ribs when I finally caught him because I found out that he had went into my son's mother's pocketbook and had stolen from her. It's all an illusion. And so I never had anyone that I felt was truly a friend when I was in that world. I flew from New York to Atlanta. I got in my car and I was driving back up the coast and a state trooper pulled me over. And when he came to the driver's side door of the car and he had a nine miller pointed straight at my head. And he said, boy, put your hands out the window of this car and climb out onto the ground or I'm gonna blow your head off. I put my hands out the window and I climbed out the car and I laid on the ground of the interstate. The police officer would come and he'd, he'd tie my hands behind my back as well as my feet together. He would find blocks of cocaine in the trunk of my car and this time I knew I had been caught red-handed. And I knew I was going to jail. I remember watching as my son was born, just thinking to myself, I'm always gonna be here for you, son. I want you to know that I'll always be here and I'll never leave you. 
So at two o'clock in the morning, I called home to the one person who always, always took my phone call and always, always got me out of trouble. Mothers worry about the children. My mother who saved me from everything couldn't save me this time. But she cried out to somebody who could. She looked up into heaven. And she said, God, if you exist, will you please help my boy? The next morning I woke up, an inmate came and he punched me right in the square at my back, kind of sending a message to everybody in there, I've run this block. Nobody's coming in here to take over my thing. And when he did, I grabbed a food tray and I tried to break his head off into the wall of the prison. That was natural for me. I was angry and anger always turns into violence for me and violence always ends up with me getting in trouble. Then something very unusual happened. They sent the man who hit me back to his cell in isolation. And normally that's where I'm supposed to go too, but they look at me and call me by my last name. They say, yo, Veneta, you wanna go to church? Church was a six by nine prison cell. There was one other inmate who was sitting in there with me. He handed me a little small brown book. It's called a Gideon Bible. And he looked at me on the floor of that prison and he said eight words that changed my life forever. He said, you look burdened. Can I pray for you? I don't remember the words of that prayer, but I do remember it ended in Jesus' name. And as I would walk out of that six by nine prison cell, the other inmate who was with me, Andrew, had asked me about my son. And I told him I have a one and a half year old son. And I made him a promise that I would never leave him that he would never have to grow up not knowing who his father was. And here I was doing to him the very same thing that I promised him I would never do. Well, I didn't realize how much trouble that I was in until I go from the prison to the courthouse to find out how much time I'm looking at. And I remember sitting there and there was a bunch of guys that were attached to me with chains. When their name was announced, they would say, well, you're looking at six months probation. You're looking at three years. You're looking at a year and a half. And then they announced my name. And they told me that I was looking at 25 to 40 years in prison. And I remember hearing the guys say, man, what did you do? And all I could think of was my little boy growing up not knowing who his father was. Reality for me had set in. 
So I started to pray. And I remember the only prayer that I had made to God wasn't that I wanted him to get me out of what I had gotten myself into. My only prayer was, before I go away, let me go and say goodbye to my son. I didn't ask him for justice, but I cried out for mercy. I would then call my attorney. He says, you're never going to guess the news that I have for you. I said, what? The DA said that they're going to null pros my charges, which means you've been arrested, but you're never going to go to trial. You're never going to face conviction. And 12 to 24 years that I was guilty of was wiped away. I couldn't believe it. I ended up doing a total of two and a half years in prison. That's for every set of charges that I had. And all I can remember is him looking at me and the smile that he got on his face when he would see his daddy and lifting him up and holding him and feeling his little feet dangling from me and him trying to tell me everything that he had done since I'd seen him last. And I remember just the great joy that I got in hearing my son talk to me and knowing that my son loves me and knowing that my son misses me. And for me, it just translated into how God must feel when I reach out to him. On my way here today, my son writes to me in a text, Pop, I'm proud of you. And I'm glad that you allow me to be a part of your story. And I say, son, I wouldn't have a story if it wasn't for you. The benefit for me of being a father is it gives me the desire to be a better man. And it gives me the desire to know that I have to live a life that is an example for my own son. My name is Dutch Bradley, and I am second.
wide-eyed and mystified May we be just like a child Staring at the beauty of our king
heart could tell a story If my life would sing a song If I have a testimony If I have anything at all No one Jesus His faithful hand has held me all this way And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth Let it be known in you alone My joy was found Let my children tell their children Let this be their memory That all my treasure was in heaven And you were everything to me No 
one ever cared for me like Jesus. His faithful hand has held me all this way. And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth, let it be known in you alone my joy was found. If my heart could tell a story If my life would sing a song If I have a testimony If I have anything at all No one ever cared for me like Jesus His faithful hand has held me all this way And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth Let it be known in you alone My joy was found Oh, my joy, my joy Let my children tell their children Let this be their memory That all my treasure was in heaven And you were everything to me No one ever cared for me like Jesus His faithful hand has held me all this way And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth Let it be known in you alone My joy was found I found my joy I'm still in 
You've been listening to Pat Rutherford and Praise Until Dawn here on the Praise Broadcasting Network. Pat and Claudia would love to hear from you. I'll give you the address in just a moment. Thank you for remembering that Praise Broadcasting Network is listener supported. Your donations help keep PBN on the air for listeners just like you all over the world. Donations are tax deductible in the United States and appreciated from around the world. Our address is Praise Broadcasting Network, P.O. Box 2468, Asheboro, North Carolina, 27204. You can also visit our website at www.pbnradio.com. Pat and Claudia love reading your email. You may send it to mail at pbnradio.com or call them at 336-626-PRAY. That's 336-626-7729. You're listening to Praise Until Dawn, coast to coast and around the world, here on the Praise Broadcasting Network.